Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live 123. It's episode 123. I have a guest with me today. Um, he's the last known member of ZZ Top. <laughs> no, just kidding. This is Nathan. You may have seen me mention Nathan in uh, before. He's definitely uh, chatted in the streams before, for those of you that remember uh, Nathan. Nathan used to work with me at the store. Then he moved all the way from Arizona to Maryland. And now he's the guy who messes up all your PRS guitars. He buffs them all. Every single one. I mess up all of them all without th fail. It's part of my job description. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he's in town. His band played last night. Um, your name of the band was? Uh, Leshen. L-E-S-H-E-N. I was filling in uh, on bass for my old band. And so I went and saw him last night. And uh, so like I said, he's in town. I said, hey, why don't you hang out and we'll do the live stream together. So uh, if you guys have questions for him, because not just about PRS, you understand he is very experienced in finish work on instruments, uh, so especially like paint jobs, buffing, sanding, you know, and, and then of course, uh, you know, everything else on as, as to everything else as well yeah i'm still a massive gearhead <laughs> yeah so i figure we'll do the normal qa but we'll have nathan here and we can ask him questions too or maybe we'll just let him interject some stuff in see what we got going on and uh let's see what happened this week anything happened uh i think it's officially uh 18 days is it 18 days now 17 days since gibson's yeah, yeah, last free of yeah. conflict which is good so we'll count keep counting that down as a like a yeah good for you yeah. guys good going to stay out of the youtube cycles <laughs> um so let's see what we got oh lawrence said nathan and everyone in the chat hello lawrence just wants to say hi hello Love lawrence. lawrence love those pedals yeah got a bunch of them myself so uh steven says phil is such a pimp <laughs> I I feel so lame that I understand the concept. I just don't understand the the the, the reasoning. For yeah, the reasoning of the connection. Yeah. But I, I I take it as a compliment. Uh, I think it is. Uh, I did see the room full of purple suits downstairs. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. <laughs> purple suits are the best. Yeah. Um, David Hunter just did a top chat. He says, any idea how Kiesel does their candy colors? It looks like a heavy stain, and then maybe they spray it with a secondary like color. That'd be my guess, kind of right off the bat, though. Oh. I haven't seen their. I haven't seen what it looks like after Jeff stains it before he sprays it. But it looks like whatever color they're staining it, they also do a secondary coat of uh, like a, a a color. That's what it looks like to me. I'm not sure. So, I could ask somebody. So yeah, walk me through layman's like. So he stains the wood. Yeah, he stains the wood, and then uh, it'll if Kiesel does it. Like most people do, they'll put a, a a base coat, like a polyester base coat, and then they'll do a, a color. But the base coat is what color? Plain. It'll just be clear. Yeah. The base okay, so stain it, clear. then clear it. Yeah, and then it looks like it might be, and then you sand the uh, uh, you sand the base coat so that way the the top coat will stick. Right. And part of the top coat, it'll be color and then clear. So the top coat color could be something that is similar to the stain. Right. And then they'll do the the top coat. Uh, clear over it that'd be my guess i could ask chris chris is our buddy over at uh at kiesel over at kiesel yeah he might know yeah that's good we'll, we'll follow up on that too just to make yeah. sure that's interesting um let's see brody 5708 just says first time catching kyg live man i appreciate that that's awesome uh it's really cool to have people to hang out with on fridays um let's see uh 
Is China good? I see Ben. Hey, Ben. Uh, by the way, I'll index it right now. It's a good time. I did the Ben Combs show this week, um, and something of interest was it was really it was really fun for me. Not only because I know Ben, and it was good just to hang out with somebody you know, you know, as always. But it was really nice. It was. I love doing this every Friday. I love you guys being part of this, and and a lot of you, I think, like the excitement that we built up over the last you know couple of years. You know, it's like 123 episodes. But it is chaos. It is crazy. And it was nice just to be like, it was nice. It was a nice chilled, like there was like, I, you know, I think we answered probably 80% of the people's questions. At least I thought it came across that way. So anyways, I'll index that if you want to see. It was some great questions too. And thank you everyone who went on Ben Combs and asked those questions. They were actually fun. They were a little different than normal and I liked them. So on that note, um, hold on. I'm going to do, now you get to see how I jump around. <laughs> Yeah, it's How pretty crazy. Yeah, stuff. you get to the super chats and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Greg said, "Congratulations on two hundred twenty nine thousand two hundred twenty nine subscribers." Oh, that's cool! I didn't even notice that it hit the two two nine two two nine. That's yeah. pretty cool. It's it is cool. Uh, thank you, Greg. It's uh, you know, it's 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 nice. It's nice to know that there's a community that you're building this 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 thing, um, and it's it's fun. It's but, been awesome to watch it grow, especially from my end when, you know, I've been I've been a Phil fan since before the YouTube channel. So watching the channel go from me, you know, just watching the first video to now 230,000 subscribers is, you know, it's been a beautiful thing to watch and grow and blossom. It's awesome. I was talking about that on the Ben Cone show about, and you'll remember this, this is kind of cool. Um, I was telling them how, remember I started on Facebook. Yeah, the Facebook videos. Yeah, and I would just put these videos on Facebook and that's how it grew. It didn't had nothing to do with YouTube. And um, and then I would just start moving a few of them over to the YouTube side. Yeah, because a lot of our students don't have Facebooks. You know, there there were folks that are in their 40s and 50s and didn't get jump onto the Facebook train. Right. But YouTube is something that anybody can watch, even if you don't have a Facebook. And that's when you yeah, that's when you started throwing them over there. By the way, it looks like Bosco's in the in the house. Yeah, I text I texted him this morning. Hey, Bosco, uh, what's up? Know. Guys, I'll index him. I will make sure you link to Bosco. If you don't know who Bosco France is, you need to. He's one of. He is a crazy, amazing blues player. Crazy. Yeah, he's doing videos right now for uh, More Music, a store in uh, Indiana. I saw it. I actually watched that one. Yeah. I watched the one. Uh, I don't know how it got in my feed, but uh, Bosco, I just watched the one you did with More, because I I thought actually when I saw it, I thought it was a. I was like, oh, is he doing a video for PRS? And then it was for More, but it was with a PRS. Yeah, I think he did that. Uh, it was the private stock. I think he was doing the private stock video the other day. And then Lonnie Hoke. Hey, Lonnie. He's a patron of the show and supports the actual live show. So, Lonnie, I appreciate that as well. Not only the super chat, but doing the he making this show possible every week. He says, hey, Phil, have you heard about the crowdfunded guitar, the Boaz? Yeah, I, I'm the Boaz guitar. I I'm, hope I'm saying it right. If it's I'm not, the modular one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I will link you the, the, the video on that guitar. What we're talking about is the Boaz guitar. It's these guys from Israel. Uh, they are. They built a guitar. Crowdfunded it. It's. Uh, they wanted to raise twenty thousand. They raised like three hundred thousand. Um, there's a video. I'll link in the index when I index it to uh, Guitologist. Um, he did an interview with the builder. I watched the full interview. Um, 
And uh, what happened was they bumped into me at the NAMM show and they asked me if I could do a video too to help them, you know, kind of promote the product. Yeah. And the problem was I, I was, I was, there was a communication breakdown. I, I don't think they understood. I was like, I wasn't at the NAMM show that I was running around trying to see some things for my personal yeah. enjoyment of seeing gear, but I was there for. That was the summer uh, one? Yeah, the, the summer okay, one just happened. One. But long story short, it's a guitar that, like you said, it's made of plastic and it's modular and it's going to be $399. It's definitely something cool to check out. It's a definitely a different concept, and especially since I think right now, with between the Relish guitars and that crazy guitar that's uh, made in France, that's like sixteen thousand dollars that has the, uh, the spindle wheel, the spindle thing. wheel yeah. pickups and stuff. I'm not. I'm laughing because I'm sorry. Just when you think about a sixteen thousand dollar guitar with spindle pickups, you kind of chuckle. Um, but uh, this is not that. This isn't like a three to ten thousand dollar guitar do it all guitar. This is a three hundred, four hundred dollar do it all guitar. Um, and uh, it even has a kickstand, so you can. It doesn't need a guitar stand. Yeah, you just very, very right cool. I, I definitely worth, uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, Lonnie, thanks for mentioning it because, like I said, it is something that's been going on. It's different, and they seem like really cool dudes. The dudes I met them, they were really nice. Um, my friend Kafir, uh, he's also an amazing guitar player. He's the one who connected me to them and said, "Hey, talk to these guys." But when I met them, they didn't have the guitar; they had the modules and stuff, and yeah, yeah. I just didn't. I just didn't have the time. I actually, what I was doing, so you guys know, was uh, I went. I was on my way that day to go uh, meet with uh, Marty Schwartz and do the Marty Schwartz video. That was so, a good video. yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and it was and it was kind of Marty Schwartz who invited me on his channel. So that's why I'm like, sorry guys, I have a <laughs> I have to go. I had to walk, which was a, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but. Uh, I misunderstood. They said uh, we had rescheduled it to like at eight o'clock at night or something like that to do it. And then they said, hey, we have time at noon on Saturday. And I go, that worked out great. Well, I wasn't thinking, you know, that's why this is funny. I wasn't thinking uh, when I said, how far is it from the NAMM show? They said, oh, it's like a five, 10 minute walk. You, you know, no problem. You don't need to Uber or anything. Just walk over there. That's what they were saying when it was eight o'clock at night. So when oh. I got there at like 1230, I looked horrible. Like I was just pouring yeah, in yeah, sweat. Yeah. And they're like, did you walk here? And I'm like, yeah, you guys said it was like a five-minute walk. They're like, yeah, but it's like 90 well, degrees at 85% yeah. humidity right now. You walked? And I'm like, yeah, I really wasn't thinking. I was thinking you guys just said it was quick. And they go, yeah, it's quick at night, but at day it was hot. So I was... Yeah, I mean, Thor and I went to that NAMM show four years ago, and we walked around at all the bars outside, and it was not fun to walk around. No, it was... Uh, it was, uh, you know, I know we say it's a dry heat, but, dude, dry heat really does, uh, is a lot better than than super humid heat. Sean <laughs> uh, Blues wants everybody to know to do a thumbs up. There's 500. We got 66 thumbs up. It'd be nice if we can get 100 thumbs up. That'd be cool. I'd appreciate that. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> Just something we all say. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, who doesn't want a thumbs up, right? You know, you want a thumbs up from your boss. You want a thumbs up from... You know, friends, yeah. why not? Dave Mustaine told me not to do this in pictures anymore, so now anytime I take a picture, I do thumbs up. Did he really? What did he Yeah, do? yeah. Was that at the NAMM show? No, no. This was, um, uh, my neighbor got backstage passes to when they played the State Fair here a couple years ago, and we got, so we met them backstage, and Dave Mist I did a picture, like, I did the, threw up the horns in my picture, and Dave Mustaine said that it, like, in your fingers, it creates, like, a six, six, and then, like, a six right here. And so he said he didn't want me doing that in the pictures anymore that I did with him. And then just ever since then, I started doing thumbs up. I don't know if I believe what he said, but he yeah, said it. Yeah. I, yeah. You ever wonder now? I, I hear stuff like that when you yeah. say, you hear stuff like that, and I think, okay, was he 
Is he legit or is I he? I couldn't tell with if you? he was crazy or not. Yeah, but you then, can be like, messing with you. I took another picture later, and I did the horns, and then switched to the thumbs, <laughs> and he started laughing. So I, at the very least, I got a picture of him laughing for real, rather than like a forced smile. So that was kind of cool. And then real quick, Brian's in the house, Matt's in the house. They're moderators of the channel and patrons, thanks a lot. And then I saw Sean Pierce Johnson as well. So I try to do a shout out when I can see the guys. Uh, Wanna Beetle. Uh, Blackjack, hey Blackjack. Thank you again, Blackjack. Made a great comment on the Ben's Combs uh, thing. I didn't get to respond to it yet. So I kind of split up my time. It's like sometimes when I do these videos, one thing that, that's, that's, that's great about what I get to do is I get to do this. However, because I do this, when I'm done, you, I want to watch other stuff. Or I want to react, and, and my wife's like, "No, no, it's it's like fi family time now." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, okay, family time." You know, you gotta, you know, gotta, you know, take care of the the family. Um, okay, so Randall's got a question. It says, "What does Nathan think of the PRS SE line from Cortec?" Now, I want to pre, I'm gonna say this ahead of time because I just asked him about this yesterday. He hasn't seen the PRS Indonesian video. Did you watch it since I talked to I him? Uh, not the whole thing. The part of the PRS Indonesia video that I watched was the part related to my job which was top coat. I was really in interested on the way that they spray guitars and then the way they buff them. Uh, but I really like them. I know uh, like about half of the, I'm good friends with about half of the people that do the setups on them. Right. And yeah, they come in, they sound great, they play great. The necks are all like the perfect shape. And right. they don't have the Florentine cut that kind of like cuts into your arm a little bit. That's like, why I like S2s. Yeah, I don't yeah. like the Florentine cut. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, they sound great. And they're perfect for like, you, know, you just buy that and get like a pair of Duncans or a pair of DiMarzios and stick them in there. Yeah, I love those guitars. And then now we're doing the signature on the headstock too. We started doing those a couple years ago. I think that's, that, that was, well, you know, that was my complaint before. Yeah. Because it didn't say the, the signature on there. Um, so that's his thought. His thought is he likes them. Um, and uh, so what did you think of what you saw? You watched, you know, and, and uh, please understand, he's my friend, but he works for PRS. And I'm not going to let him say or do anything that's going to hurt his job. He's been yeah. there three years and he works hard. Uh, so, you know, um, I mean, he sands and buffs guitars eight hours a day in the factory. It's a tough job. <laughs> it's a tough job. It's legit. He's yeah. a, he's a, he's, he wanted, he literally wanted to work for PRS. So he just moved from Arizona to yeah, Maryland, I and I knew I wanted to work on guitars, but PRS specifically, I didn't even apply at any other factories. I only applied at PRS. It's the only place I wanted to work. See, so that being said, uh, what did you? What was your impression when you watched the Indonesian factory and how they did it? Were you were you like impressed by it? Did you think it was okay? I thought it was very impressive. Part one of the things they do out there is electrostatic spray, which I had never seen in person or anything like that. So watching that part of how they spray the guitars and charge different parts of it with different positive or negative charge explain and this, that yeah. to, to i us. mean i only have a basic understanding of how sure. electrostatic works but the way that i understand it is as the guitar is coming through like a conveyor uh it gets charged with either a positive or negative energy or right. negative electricity and the spray gun is charged with the opposite right because opposites attract right so the guitar could be coming over here in front of you but i could spray this way right but because it's electrostatic the spray will just go to the guitar from where it is i mean i probably you know there's probably limits to how i do that right but that was really impressive to watch the way they buff guitars which was really since their guitars are a lot flatter right they put it in that that buffing machine and do the front and the back right and then they do the sides and like the headstock and some of the more delicate parts by hand and that was because i'm used to i do the entire guitar by hand every little nook and cranny i do by hand right so watching them just kind of do the top and the back in just a couple seconds like 
It was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was impressive to watch. I thought so too. When I watched it, I was telling you this the other night, and when I watched it, you you get a sense that they know exa- they're making great guitars. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And it's it to the point where it's it, it's not that I, I love that because it wasn't like an argument of like why even buy a American guitar when there's these great you know Indonesian guitars. It was like. It was more of a, like a, this is how they can make an Indonesian guitar so great, you know what I mean, by those faster processes. Yeah. And um, Marcus, who runs the Frames Factory, he said this thing, and I've never talked about this on the live show, but he said this thing, and it's resonated with me down to my bones. He always, and since I've known him, he's always referred to uh, Chinese-made, you know, Indonesian-made, uh, uh, Korean-made guitars. Uh, he calls them fast guitars. Like he'll he when he talks about like building a Framus guitar, you know what I mean, yeah. or even a PRS when he talks about PRS or he talks about you know a Nags guitar. You he Marcus always says he goes oh he goes the handmade guitars or the fast guitars, and, he's, and he doesn't mean it in a negative way. He's yeah. not saying anything. He's just he saying he doesn't say the cheaper guitars. Yeah, he doesn't say cheaper. Just say fast. He's like his 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 brain as a guy who runs a factory that does custom factory work is like. Yeah, we do it the slow way. It costs a lot more. They do it the fast way. They can make it a lot less. But then they can't do certain little things that we can do because they do it fast. And I love... And so now it's been actually getting in my head over the last year or so, fast guitars. So... RNA Music just said beard. Because <laughs> yeah, Ryan... Got yes. A, got a little one. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I thought about braiding it before I came here, but that's too much. And uh, okay, so let's look for another quick question. And uh, Todd Flowers just said, "Oh no, I'm sorry." Steve said hi to Todd Flowers. Todd Flowers, hey, what's up, Todd? Uh, Todd's another supporter of the channel, sponsor of these live shows. Um, let's see. Hold on, hold on. I'm jumping around. There is <laughs> Ralph has let himself go. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I miss Ralph. I was hoping. Uh, is Ralph coming to the dinner tonight? I don't know. He marked interested on our dinner I tonight. Know. And I haven't seen him since I moved. Ralph. Ralph does whatever Ralph wants, which is what I've always loved about him for the twenty years I've known him. Yeah. It's it's an endearing and frustrating quality in a person. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> uh, you always trust that he's being honest with you because he only does what he wants. Yeah. But because he only does what he wants, sometimes you know, like when you people ask, like, "Oh, he's gonna go?" I'm like. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. If he wants to, he is. He's the. We always kind of made fun of the fact that he's like, if he's if he's bored on the phone, he's just like, I'm bored now. Yeah, uh, and he hangs up. <laughs> yeah. So okay, Matt Wells says, "Hey Phil, want to install a push pull pot on my 339? I'm assuming you're talking about the Gibson ES 339 uh, for an out of phase middle position like uh, uh, JD Sumo's 335." What does this mod entail? Do you need a four conductor pickup, or can it be done with two conductor? Uh, well, the first thing is you would absolutely have to have the four conductor, right, to do the out of phase. Um, the uh, I don't know. Uh, what I can tell you, Matt, is that the schematic for that should be on everything from... Uh, I use Seymour Duncan's schematics that are pretty good. If you go on their website, you can get PDFs of that stuff. I mean, every schematic that exists is is out there now at this point um the only thing i can tell you is uh, i did this i did this instrument once for a person for a hollow body that was so crazy and that was one of the few guitars i've ever done where there wasn't a schematic online and what i ended up doing was taking the basic gibson schematic and the uh bootsy collins schematic for the warwick bass and like overlaying them and taking some of the things and then i figured out my own way of, of wiring up what he wanted um 
And so my point to this is uh, you will have to have four conductor pickups, and but the schematic is out there. You can follow it. Um, the only thing I don't know is there might not be one that says JD Sumo's you know, specific schematic, but my guess is that whatever he's having has done, it's been done before, whether it's been done like the Jimmy Page wiring, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. That's pretty one, one of the most crazy. When I think of crazy Gibson wiring jobs, the Jimmy Page for push-pull method, um, I've done that two or three times, and and I'm not saying it's hard, but it's I always think of it that way because every time I've done it, I thought, oh, I've done this before, and then yeah. when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, I gotta oh, like, yeah. you gotta get the paper out again and look, yeah. you know, like what do you do? Um, but that's what's great about schematics. Uh, then if anyone has uh, some other good ones, I use um, those, and then I use uh, there's like a electronic services or something. I don't know. It always has a the picture of Einstein on it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not off the top of my head. But I, no. they come up too as great uh, schematics. And then over the years, I've just downloaded my PDFs and I have them. So, the, Matt, what I'm trying to tell you is if you can't find one, if you email me at Ask Know Your Gear, I will uh, go through my archive and, and email it to you. I have it, trust me. I have every kind of schematic you can think of. Um, but they're all I ha- all the ones I have, though, are ones I've downloaded from other people and then a few I made myself. Uh, Michael just did a super chat for no reason. Thanks. I'm going to call that beer money. Grumpy Mike says, Happy Friday, Philip. I'm going to call that beer money. <laughs> Yeah, hungry monk money. Uh, Brad did the tip jar. This is cool. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. You guys, Brad did a big tip jar too. Twenty dollars. Tip jar for reasons. One, he says, uh, putting a mirror in your top five. I'm gonna agree with that one. (laughs) Yeah, I love my mirror. Uh, He says my 2014 mirror is behind my 509 and get and my. Golden, so it probably has the Mesa Gold. Oh, Mesa Gold, sky. yeah, Silver Sky. Lawrence says you are an okay guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. That's a, actually that's a good compliment from Lawrence. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, I think I, I'm, I'm happy about that. Keeping it real every week. Uh, keep musing. Brad Hewitt, muse guitarist. What does that mean? Keep musing. Keep musing. Keep. You know, oh like yeah. Muse. Oh yeah, yeah. Muse. Yeah, Brad Hewitt, muse guitarist. Oh, thank yeah. you, Brad. Uh, Oh, because Brad is Muse guitarist. That makes sense now. Thank you, Brad. I just connected it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're Muse guitarist. Uh, and um, and then uh, also, uh, you know, and the mirror has been my uh, my mirror. So you know, is a two thousand. I think it's gonna be two thousand fourteen too. My mirror. Uh, you, you had it for a couple years before I left. My, I, I think it's a little bit older than that. My mirror is the very. This is what I can tell you about my mirror. It, it's uh, the only thing that's interesting about my mirror. It's the very last year. That they ever made the core mirrors, and um, I ordered Chris Barnes. Remember Chris Barnes? Yeah. Chris Barnes, a mirror. I ordered a mirror, and I ordered one for the store. Mine showed up, and then two, three weeks later, they let me know that they weren't going to ship any more mirrors. That they were done, and so I got the last one. But what was interesting about it was Paul, Paul Reed Smith. Uh, a year or two later, I I was somewhere with him and you know where he was at. And I had my mirror, and I said, "Oh, I have a mirror. It's the last year." And I remember he looked at it and he goes, "You have square bobbins," and I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "I don't think we did mirror pickups in square square bobbins." And I said, "Well, this is the mirror. It's the last year." Yeah. So it was interesting that he didn't even know that yeah. like they did the square the bobbins. The squabbins. Yeah. Um, so that's what's special about my mirror is it's one of the few mirrors I've seen that has squabbins. Squabbin mirror pickups. Because yeah. by the by the time they integrate squabbins in the mirrors. They discontinued the mirrors. Yeah, so, it was like I think two thousand. I think two thousand twelve was the last year because 2014 was the introduction of the S two. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think it was gone for a couple years before the S two came out. Yes. Yeah. And then let's find a non 
super chat question real quick. Let's see how we're doing. Oh, we're doing great on time too. Uh, uh, is 60 Cycle Hum here? Is Ryan here too? This is like, this is like the who's Ryan, who. It's Ryan Burke, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's right there. Okay, well, ha, you bet. Hi Ryan. Looking forward to seeing, I'll be seeing Ryan soon. I don't think I'm allowed to tell where yet, but I'll be seeing <laughs> Ryan soon in a couple weeks. I look forward to seeing you, buddy. I love his Instagram page. So, He's hilarious on Instagram. There's Scarma Guitars here as well. Hey, guys, Showman Blues. This is more like a reunion show. <laughs> well, so you know, we're having a reunion tonight. So yeah. so uh, that's why another thing, uh, Nathan's here. Um, when I used to have this, when we used to be have the store before the YouTube world, uh, we used to go every Thursday night to this bar and have wings and beer. It was like, and talk about pedals yeah, and gear. Yeah, basically the QA show, just with the same yeah, ten it, customers every it was, time. It was literally yeah. like I, I, one thing I could say that's absolutely true. Every single thing, and I'm almost no exceptions to this. Every single video I've ever made on YouTube, whether it be a comparison video or a review or a how-to video. That was the stuff we were doing every day anyways. It was just finally one day we were like, we should film, (laughs) right? Um, And uh, same with these discussion things. We would do this every Thursday. We would go meet and talk pedals and guitars for hours. And uh, we haven't done it in two, three years, two years at least. And uh, we're doing it tonight, so a bunch of us. And uh, we're very excited about that. Uh, So uh, what else do we got for questions? Um, Let's see. Uh, Pablo9364 said he bought a new Fender Jazzmaster. It's very noisy, and the noise goes when I touch the string. Should I send it back? This sounds like a ground issue. does sound like a ground issue. Uh, Obviously, you know, Jazzmaster is going to have 60-cycle hum, so 60-cycle hum is part of this. I I always say that just because, not because the show 60-cycle hum is watching right now, (laughs) but because 60-cycle hum is, I just want to make sure you understand what that is. If I'm saying 60-cycle hum and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to research that before you go any further um if you know what i'm talking about and you're like that's obviously not it let's go to problem two which is uh it's definitely a grounding issue because as soon as you're touching the strings it grounds out that is actually two things you're supposed to ground out your guitar when you touch it that's one of the things you are the part of the ground in a guitar to some extent now don't get me wrong it shouldn't be buzzing and driving you crazy um and a lot of times what happens is you have a broken ground or there's the ground is missing to the bridge which is really the problem um it's not super hard to investigate uh, if you look in the, you know, but it, my guess is if you're concerned about it, uh, I would call, um, I would call the place you bought it from and talk to them. And then, yeah, and it then, sounds like a warranty issue. Yeah. And then maybe send it back and get a different one. Or yeah. if it's local, then you could probably just go back and they could fix it. If it's not, you might be able to take it, call them, take it to a tech that can send them the bill. Yes. To get it fixed real quick. Yeah. Because a Jazzmaster, and the reason I say all that, uh, Pablo, is because, I mean, a Strat, a Jazzmaster, a Telecaster, I mean, these are guitars that inherently have some kind of noise. So a lot of times when people say they're noisy or they have noise, um, if you are a Fender player, if you're a Fender style player, all of them have noise. You understand that. If you're new to Fender, that's what I'm asking you. Is if you're new to Fender and you've never had this experience before, this not, may not be anything wrong. This is just how yeah. the instruments are. Um, I was playing my P90 uh, Framus this morning, all morning, and I was playing with high gain, and, and it was just buzzing like crazy to the point where I was like, I loved it, but I was like, it even it was rattling my head a little bit. So that's what I would look into doing. Um, 
Okay, what else do we got? Well, well, hold on. We'll jump over since we got a pinned question as well. And uh, we got Metalhead Hippie. Hey, Metalhead Hippie. Uh, thank you again for questions on the uh, on the uh, Ben Combs show. Uh, it says, what can I do to get a hairline swirls out of my finish and bring it back to its smooth factory glass shine? Any polishes that work well? Thank you. So the polishes that I use we typically i i mean i use a full-on buffing wheel just to get anything even in my personal guitars i just bring it to work and i'm able to kind of buff right. it out but you know when uh you were talking to ron thorne the other day and he was recommending stuff like the carnuba wax and right things like that i've had i've had pretty good luck with all that all the stuff that he mentioned in that video yeah I, uh you know it's funny somebody put i and i'm not recommending this because i don't know but i am curious because one thing i love about doing doing this is you guys send me information sometimes it's crazy yeah. when i uh somebody told me toothpaste, toothpaste. i was gonna say you i feel like you're about to say toothpaste yeah, yeah i've never tried it. i mean and i only have expensive guitars i'm not i'm not brave enough to scrub my guitars down with toothpaste but i've heard the toothpaste thing too yeah I've well just never tried it i do i do have um metalhead hippie uh what i can do i if it helps i do have right now it, downstairs, I have a damaged Harley Benton guitar with hairline cracks in it, um, and uh, it's no good. Uh, it came damaged in the mail. Yeah. Um, so you <laughs> give it a shot. Yeah, I could I mean, give it. Got, I'm yeah. sure you got toothpaste too. Yeah, I'll do some toothpaste, and then um, and then maybe some car carnauba wax, and I'll try some stuff, and then I'll film it, and uh, we'll put it out. How does that sound? That sounds cool. I'm curious, right? Yeah. And if it, and what's great is it'll either be a great clickbait like, hey, fix your guitar with toothpaste, <laughs> toothpaste. or hey, don't put toothpaste on your guitar. Either way, it'll be interesting. And and I uh, what I can do is I'll do that. I'll do that home remedy thing, and then we'll hit what we can do. Um, the other thing I can tell you is now here's a question that will jump onto that for for metalhead. So when you buff a guitar. Let's let's say what he's talking about is he has finished cracks, right? He's saying hair well, he line said, swirls. He, he said swirls. So swirls. swirls are scratches. Right. Right. That which is different than a full on finished crack, right? So if you have a guitar with a little scratches all over it, do you recommend some kind of light wet sand and then buff? Or I would you just buff? straight buff? Yeah. Straight buff. And the reason why is because buffing takes off material. Right? right, so when you sand, you're going to take off material, and then when you buff, you're going to take off material. So I'd rather just bu try to buff it out the best I can. That way, I'm taking out the least amount of finish possible. Because if you have a really thin finish, you're going to hit that color real quick, and then you're just going to buff off color, and now the problem is way worse than it was before. So I'll always on my personal guitars, I'll if I have a scratch, I'll just check it with the buffing wheel first and try to buff it out gotcha. before I tr try any kind of wet sanding. That's cool because, like I said, I instinctively think sometimes maybe just like wet sand it first. You know what I mean yeah. to get an even kind of if distribution. It's, if of... it's a big, big scratch, yeah, yeah, too and deep. Even, to yeah, buff. but even then, if you don't have access to a spray room or anything that you can like fix color, I generally don't don't see the point in trying to sand it and then accidentally messing up because yeah. there's no way to measure it unless you have uh, unless you're measuring it with like a sonogram type device is right. how you can see how thick the finish actually is. And so those are kind of expensive stuff, a spray room and a sonic, like a seismic measuring device, basically. So, yeah. yeah. And then Guitar Overdrive. Hey, that's a cool name. Guitar Overdrive says, just a quick thanks for being one of the most inspiring channels in my feed. Man, that's awesome. Uh, 
I, I appreciate the kind words, yeah. man. It's you think like, that's inspiring? He inspired me to move across the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> you can look at that two different ways, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get away from me. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Bud wants to know, what color PRS does he play personally? They're talking about you. So I have, uh, I have three core PRSs right now and a fourth one being built. And uh, I honestly, I play my custom 22 the most, which is the one that I bought from you, the silver one. It's my old yeah. PR. He has my old custom 22. Yeah, it's a old platinum from 2008. I probably play that one the most. And then I have a satin purple mist Tremani and a uh, purple smoke wrap custom 24. And two of them are in D standard and the other one's in, in uh, E standard. And I play the D standard one which is the uh, Custom 22 the most, in Platinum. It's just, I'm not really afraid to ding it up, and because he got a 10-top, if I do ding it up, right. the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to have a really nice guitar underneath anyway. So, yeah, I play that. I end up playing that one the most. Yeah, so you guys know, he. I had, if you look at, you have to look at my very first couple videos. Uh, there is, it, that guitar is in those videos somewhere. It's the same silver as the Silver Sky, basically, right? Yeah. yeah same, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I know that's like a different, a little, but. Yeah, it's a little lighter. Yeah, it's a little lighter. It. But it's a silver custom 22, and what's interesting is the back's painted, the front's painted, the neck's painted, but they're, they taped off the binding uh, because it's a 10 top. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you can only see the 10 top from, from the, the edge. From the side. Or since I've had a. For a while, the finish is shrunk, and you can actually kind of see it. The finish is kind of shrunk into the chevron there. But yeah, I play my silver one the most. I love that guitar. Shaman Blue says, Phil, where in your hierarchy of love is your silver sky these days? That's a good question. Uh, you know, what's funny is uh, the the silver sky is... I was playing it. Actually, I was just playing earlier today. So I mean, it was uh, it's the guitar I play the most. I take it to my lessons when I go to my lesson. I take it the most. Um, I love the way it plays and sounds. So it's still in in the the, sh the what I would call the short rotation, right? Which my short rotation is usually like my green Strat, which is behind me. Uh, that new red AZ. That's you know definitely Strat style guitars. The funny thing about that, the Silver Sky is. Um, I keep getting this compulsion to put a mini humbucker or something in the bridge, and I just and then I talk myself out of it because I like the I'm afraid to mess with the guitar. What I love about the Silver Sky is I love a guitar that that oh, I'm losing my mic. Uh, I love a guitar that I'm afraid to mess with. Yes, it it definitely just makes it a fun guitar to play when. You're like, I don't want to mod it. I don't want to do anything to it. I mean, modding guitars is fun, but sometimes it's a different kind of fun. So to answer your question, especially now, let's say, you know, where am I at with the honeymoon of the Silver Sky? Yeah. Um, it, it's really, it's really I, exactly what I said in the review. I still don't love the 7 quarter inch radius fretboard, but the guitar plays so good and sounds so good that I just don't care. You know what I mean? I just play it. So... Uh, I love it. Uh, wait, somebody said something about 205 finish. Hold on a second. I may have lost the comment. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, somebody was talking about a finish or, uh, you know, like a, a polish. Yeah, something to use. Like, that was like the Dunlop, too, right? That's the one that Dunlop makes? Yeah, so... I've never tried that on a actual Scar My Guitar's got to go. Well, hold on, Scar My Guitar. He did a super chat, so let's see what the super chat says. Got my email? Hey, you got my email. Cool. Uh, got your email. Thank you, Phil. Can't wait uh, to see what you cook up. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you got it. I reached out to Scar My Guitar. 
uh, our, uh, you guys have been reaching out to me. I reached out back, so we'll talk to them uh, and see what we can come up with. Something uh, fun for the channel, right? Uh, that's the idea. Something to do something interesting for the community. Um, so I'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, stage name Alpha says, how did you all two meet? So we met because uh, I was living in California and my grandfather lives a couple, just like a couple lights down from McKnight, uh, the old store. Yep. And he started taking lessons at the store and I visited my grandparents every summer. And uh, one of the summers I came down is the summer after I had just gotten into guitar. I was probably, I want to say 17, 18. And I hadn't technically met Phil when I walked into the store. I asked a couple questions about atomic guitars you had some atomics and i asked if i could play one and i remember you telling me that uh you're like well they're all custom ordered so even if you like playing them you're gonna have to custom order one anyway right so i didn't end up playing one but <laughs> uh i moved to arizona in with my grandfather uh about a year and a half later and i was really getting into guitar so i just started hanging out at the shop all the time and then one day i just asked shauna if i could have a job and she said yes so then i started working at the store and the rest is history is history yeah and then he said i think i'm gonna move to maryland and work <laughs> really on prs guitars yeah really far away <laughs> and then uh jeff miller says bought the prs paul's guitar he means mine i sold it to you jeff i'm glad mm. and he says uh based oh or no he says based on your video review so it's not the one uh couldn't be happier it's a great guitar yeah i remember uh, seeing the the prototype up in skitchy's office before it got released and i i was beyond excited because the paul's guitar is one of my favorite guitars that we make and doing an SE version of it, ah, oh, it looks slick. The inlay is awesome. It sounds amazing. Ah, oh, that cool. that guitar uh, is funny because that guitar is a weird guitar because I love that guitar so much. It actually, it's weird. I that's what got the John Mayer. Yeah, like that guitar. I was just just so enthralled with it that I was like, maybe I'm maybe I do like the John Mayer more than I think because I yeah. like this guitar and a lot of the you know when they said the pickups were inspired by the John Mayer or the John Mayer pickups were inspired vice versa right they were inspired by the John Mayer pickups and so I don't know it was really cool um hold on I know you guys got some super chats but I like I said I like to I try to do one for one super chat then a non-super chat kind of thing I just guarantee the super chats will get answered kind of thing and um uh uh, here's a good question. Uh, Big Idea 100 says, what is the oldest guitar you've owned? Uh, we'll do both of us. What's the oldest guitar? Uh, to, just because we don't know the question detailed, you're gonna, I'm going to ask you to tell, tell them the oldest guitar you currently own that you've had the longest, and then what's the oldest like age guitar you've ever owned? Okay. So the oldest guitar, the guitar that I've owned the longest, uh, is probably that, that Pinstripe Gretsch. Uh, okay. The, I have an orange one that I bought at McKnight. That got pinstriped by this guy, uh, Hot Rod Walt. Yeah, Hot Rod Walt. Hot Rod Walt and the Psycho DeVilles. And I'm a massive Brian Setzer fan. Like, Brian Setzer's probably my favorite guitarist of all time. And I see this orange, like, the Gretsch color. Right. It's perfectly pinstriped. Oh, that guitar was awesome. So I've owned that the longest. I'd sell all my PRS. Is that the right one now. we had pinstriped, or was that the one they pinstriped? Do you uh, remember? That, it, was, it was signed by Hot Rod Walt. So I think that's one that. that we got from the Rockabilly show. Yeah, and we had a, yeah. yeah. The, so, um, but we, I would sell all my PRSs before I we got did, rid of that one. We did this, this, this is some of the shenanigans we do. We did this Rockabilly show. Gretch asked me to do it. This is back, you know, at the shop days. Gretch says, hey, there's a big Rockabilly show. Would you like to sponsor it? And I was like, yeah, I'll sponsor it. And uh, what happened was 
They said, it's great. I, I, I paid a fortune for all these Gretsch guitars to be in this booth. And people can come and they can play the Gretsches and stuff. And and I figured out, it was a three-day event or whatever. I figured out after the first day, nobody was buying Gretsch guitars. No, they're all looking <laughs> like, at them. Yeah, they came, they looked at them, they bought Pabst Blue Ribbon beer and they left, yeah. right? Like, And so it's not like that's what it was about, you know, right? Not every investment is about money. You know, you have to invest in people. You have to invest in community. I mean, not everything can be about money, but money is important. So what happened was I kind of came to the conclusion. I'm like, man, we are not selling these guitars here. So they're all going to go back to the store. And I was like, okay, that's great. You know, cause we got them on a deal. It'll be a deal for the customers. And then it just hit me. I don't know what it was. There was this guy named hot, hot, hot rod, rod Walt. Yeah, and he was pinstriping like people's stuff. He'd bring your, you could bring anything and he would pinstripe it for, for, I think it was like 50 bucks. So I would just go, me and Ralph would run one by one, walk over there and just bring him the guitars in the booth and have him pinstripe the guitars and bring them back to the booth. And we got every single guitar pinstriped. And then we sold like three or four there, which was not the yeah. intent, but it just started happening. People yeah. came in, they're like, this is crazy. And then we brought some back and that's one of the ones you have. Is- yeah, I know I got, I think there were two left. I got one and then Amanda got one. I think she got the black one. The black one was slick. That was yep. the, the double cut style. And I got the orange single cut style. And uh, so my oldest guitar that I currently own now is my Dana Scoop, which I've had since like 1994. And uh, but the oldest guitar I've ever owned, uh, well, I could probably think of a guitar, but to be honest, I'm just going to go with the oldest instrument. The oldest instrument I ever owned is a 74P bass. I remember that. Bass. Uh, yeah, I had a 74P bass. Um, I don't have it anymore. Uh, you sold it to somebody in Bucca. Yeah, I, you know, I and, and I, I, it's funny. It's a controversial thing. Here's why it's controversial. You know, everybody's going to have an opinion. This is mine. It doesn't negate yours. Um, I bought it because everybody was like, oh, old guitars, vintage guitars are amazing. And the but this is, a, and I, so I bought this 74P bass and I had it for about a year. And to be honest, every time I picked up and played it, I thought, and it was a great one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, every time I picked up my new P bass, I was like, my new P bass is built better. Like I could just, sense it the other one had history and vibe and you know cachet it was i mean i get that but to me it was like a 65 mustang yeah people are going to turn their heads and look at you it's cool but it's hot as hell because there's no ac in the thing right like to me yeah no power steering so to me it was like kind of the bases had the same vibe the 74p base had all the cachet it was cool it sounded good but uh, the the new modern carbon fiber stripped you know P base was just killing it and yeah. so I, I sold it and kept the uh, modern P base so um um so there you go uh, <laughs> so there you go um oh uh, uh big idea one hundred says I have an Alvarez EA G sixty yeah though I I thought all those guitars from Alvarez was cool back the day it'd be I'd be like an old acoustic right. Yes. That Alvarez, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, the AE G60? Yeah. Oh, you know what? He, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Acoustic electric G60. Okay, so we have Josco Plumbing Supply says, what is the best way to install fender tuners on the neck without mini holes drilled for the pins? Uh, the old... That hold oh, that the hold the tuners in place. Uh, thinks you're the best. Okay, so Fender tuners on the neck without the mini holes. So you have a you have a Fender guitar. I just want to make sure I'm clear. You're saying you have a Fender guitar that does not have the two holes. That's what you're reading too, right? Uh, yeah. There's no two holes drilled for the the Fender tuners, and you want to install Fender tuners. Um, I wouldn't. That would be my recommendation. If you don't want to, uh, I I wouldn't. Uh, 
The first of all, the Fender tuners are made by Ping, and the, whether they're made in Mexico, Mexico. So you know, the Mexico-made Fenders, and this is uh, this is pre or post 2008, okay? Which is long. I mean, you know, yeah, it's it was 11 years ago. Yeah, 11 years ago. To, everything post 2008 is for sure. Pre 2008, there's going to be pockets where I could I'll be mistaken, but let's assume that you have anything post 2008. Everything 2008, made in Mexico and made in the USA, uses ping tuners. They use the same tuners. The American-made guitars use the same cheap tuners as the Mexican ones and vice versa. And to me, the, the Fender tuners they use are... Uh, they're okay. I, I don't re- I don't I don't tell anybody they're bad because if you have them on your guitar, I have them on my guitars. The locking keys that they make are okay. But what I'm saying is is that um, you know when people say I have locking Fender tuners or regular Fender tuners, I don't really say oh my god they're horrible. You need to get rid of them. Uh, however, I would never recommend you install them. So uh, what I would recommend is not installing the Fender tuners. Go with something better. Um, something that doesn't need holes. Yeah, or so, like yeah, hip shot with yeah, the, hip shot with the ump plate yeah. or the uh, ratio with the uh, their mini plates, you know, kind of thing. There's there's all kinds of scenarios out there. Um, I talked about this uh, on Ben Combs show, and it was the, in today's day and age. Trust me, there is a tuner out there. Every tuner is out there in every pretty much gear ratio and, and locking and non locking for every situation. It, with a little bit of online investigation, you will find it. And if you can't find it. Well, that's why we have channels like this, and you have resources, pictures. You know, so you can send pictures. You can, you know, uh, ask community members and, and on forums, all kinds of stuff. But uh, there's no reason to to mod the instrument if you don't have to or don't want to. More importantly, so I wouldn't recommend the um, the Fender tuners if you don't if you don't if your guitar is not set up for them already. Wanna Beetle says just uh, set up a buddy's uh, Ricky three three twenty five uh, this past week. It was fun. So have there been? It wasn't fun. Oh, (laughs) it wasn't fun. Oh, it wasn't fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Have there been any setups that you've done that just want to make you kill? Uh, Yeah. Well, Rickenbackers um, were always a a mess because they have two truss rods. A lot of them have two truss rods, and uh, the uh, and they're expensive. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so it was a, it's a double, it's a double whammy. You have a guitar that's very expensive, and that's a customer's, and yeah. hard to set up. It, it, it is never fun. To be honest with you, though, setup wise, when I think of guitars that are nightmares, it usually kind of works out in the way that the ones that are horrible to set up, the worst guitars by far, are the cheap ones. They take it's the weirdest thing that never made any sense, right? The Squires and the you know the cheapy off-brand guitars and all the low-end you know two hundred dollar hundred dollar guitars they're a nightmare. You end up doing fretwork like crazy and setups yeah. to the point where you always scratch your head, going, "Did I make the wrong decision in life?" There's no way financially this makes any sense what I'm doing, right? Because you yeah. can't charge enough. You can't charge people enough because. No one would pay $200 to have a $100 guitar set, set up, up correctly. Yeah. So you end up doing a lot more work than what you're getting paid for. Um, but the the, re, the 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 good part, though, is uh, when you get a nice guitar, like a nice high-end PRS or a high-end like ESP guitar, they dial in fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Parkers so been, are like that, too. Yeah, yeah Parkers. Done. Yeah, you make quick adjustments and you're done. And the only thing you worry about with high-end guitars is you don't damage them. You know what I mean? You have to be careful. Um but, oh, actually, you know what, Wanna Beetle? I can tell you exactly the bane of all, all everyone who works on guitars. Vintage guitars with very dried out, very brittle, bake-like plastic parts. That, oh, yeah. That always freaks you out. 
you know, you're to, like afraid to break a tuner or something. I have yeah. done this a couple times now, where I've actually had to draft up a uh, a uh, a document and have somebody sign it. The the, the customer sign it, saying, "Hey, look, I got a feeling these these." these tuners are going to just disintegrate. You know what I mean? Or yeah. this is going to disintegrate when I mess, you know, pull this apart. And, uh, you know, here's the deal. You either got to know, you're knowing that going in, I'm disclosing to you what's going on. Yeah, so to answer your question, that's that's the that's the thing that makes me go nuts because it really makes you nervous because deep down you're just heartbroken because you don't want to have to put aftermarket parts on vintage stuff. But some of that Bakelite stuff that just literally no yeah. matter what you do it just disintegrates um and it's always the same situation it was always somebody's like this has been in my family or attic yeah, for yeah 60 attic years. for 60 years and they brought it to you and it's just uh, and and you know and, and it really matters to them that it's not yeah. you know changed and so yeah it gets a little difficult um so there you go uh so that would be my answer to that question let's do a non-pin question hold on a second uh let's see Ah, Michael says his PRS Custom 24 won't stay in tune. And if I even look at it, <laughs> the trim bar, uh, what's most likely caused my SE Santana is the same. Mm. Um, Say wacky string gauge changes because if the nut hasn't been filed right. It's most, possible. Yeah, mostly possible. most tuning issues come from the nut, the string binding up at the nut. So that'd be the first place that I checked. Yeah, I with PRS guitars, and what's nice about the PRS guitars in this scenario... Uh, this is pretty universal. SE, S2, Core. If you gave me a PRS guitar, and you, so Michael, if you brought it to me and said, uh, Phil, you know, or hey, Nathan, set this up, or here's the issue, it won't stay in tune, I'm going to tell you what, uh, and I'm, I agree with Nathan, right, so far, um, what I would be looking for as the culprit. First, the nut, to make sure the nut is cut correctly, especially for the string gauge. If you've increased the st string gauge to 11s or something, maybe it's binding in the nut. Yeah. That's a big part. So I'm going to look at the nut. I'm going to make sure that's cut right. Um, and that's something that you can actually detect pretty easily. Sometimes just visually, you'll see that it's not sitting into the nut correctly. It will yeah, be There'll be a little gap right about like that big where the string's in there and it's just not touching. And um, so that's a first first issue. Sometimes you'll see rough cut marks, especially on the lower price SEs. You can see some rough cut nuts that are the issue. However... This PRS specifically, and that's something I would look at almost any guitar, but PRS specifically, the thing you have to really pay attention to is they use six screws on the tremolo, and the six screws, I don't have a visual aid. I want one, though. Um, the six screws have a groove cut in them all around the top before the head, right? Um... I don't have a visual aid. So what I, what what that means is, uh, actually, it's easy. If you ever see a two-point tremolo, uh, whether it's a Floyd Rose or any kind of two-point tremolo, they have two posts, and in the post, there's two there's a groove cut around the top, and the blade of the tremolo is resting on the groove, like yeah. this, right? This is the tremolo. It's flat, and it's rusting. It's it pivoting on this groove, cut into oh, like my wrist. The, the, the this is the cut in. It would be pivoting like this. The important part about PRS is. All six screws have, have that. that groove, which means if you, somebody, whether you or somebody else, has raised or lowered any of those screws, one they of them's off. All, one of them's off, and the bridge is no longer resting. The blade of the bridge is no longer resting on those grooves. That is, in my experience, 99% of the time, what's causing the tremolo not to return. Uh, if 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 that's what it is. Now the great part is you didn't say oh it's custom twenty four so we knew it has a tremolo. It's tremolo. Yeah. Uh, the Santana though I don't know if it has depend. Se does it? Se it's 
the only Santanas that were hardtail were like the 2001 Santanas. Oh, okay, so it's tremolo versions. as well. Yeah, so that one will have a tremolo. Now, Michael, this is the important part, buddy, uh, and especially with the lower price PRSs. Um, so what I'm telling you is you have to get all those screws aligned so they're perfect, but here's the second problem. If you stick your screwdriver in there and you start turning on those things, sometimes the head just snaps off because that groove is actually makes it weak. So you're going to have to take the strings off, <laughs> take yeah. the springs off, take the tension off that, then adjust it. it it's, the thing about PRSI, what I can tell you is this. You set them up, and once they're set up, they, they don't go out of tune. Yeah, until they, you, they, yeah. Right. They're just they're just in. But like a Floyd Rose, it takes a little bit of finesse to get there. So it, you know what I mean? And then and that and and it's always just like a Floyd Rose, it's a little bit of misunderstanding about how the bridge works and stuff, what people mess with it and, and get the problem. But that would be what I think your problem is. I would definitely focus on that. Um and um and then what's great is once you've determined that it's not those two things and it's still doing it, um then at that point it could be the tuning keys it's not likely slipping tuning keys are not likely the the thing i always tell people from just you know working on the instruments pickups when they don't work it's very likely not to pick up yeah it's always something else like if you're not getting out signal out of the guitar it's most likely not the pickup if your guitar is not staying tuned it's most likely not the tuning key you know what i mean it can be the pickup it can be the tuning key but occam's razor right so yeah. given things all being equal equal the simple solution is not gonna you know is the right answer and it's never gonna be those two things so in your case the nut and the bridge focus on those um do you concur yeah you're around prs's all day <laughs> a little bit I'm, I'm around just a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> i work then go home and play my prs's yeah <laughs> he's like i've seen one once a couple uh, times BK just did a super chat for no reason. Josco Plumbing Supplies got more. It says, "Have I, I have the I have parts uh, parts a caster, and I have many sets of Fender tuners that I was just hoping to use up since they're cheap to build. Thanks for the advice." Um, so yeah, I understand you. Here's what you can't. Well, let me tell you what you can't do. <laughs> you you know I know you don't want to drill holes in the headstock. The two holes. What he's talking about is the Fender tuners have two teeth. I'm just going to call them two teeth, right? Like a you know two teeth. And the teeth go into the holes. The well, let me tell you, just so you know, from Josco, because obviously with a name like Josco Plumbing Supply, I'm assuming because we've talked before that you do plumbing, <laughs> so you know what it looks like when the at-home uh, plumbing person has just jacked up their stuff, and you have to come fix it. Here's what I will tell you about those tuners. What I've experienced when people have jacked them up and brought them to me. Don't cut those things off. I hate it when people will cut the the two teeth off because yeah, they don't yeah. want to drill the holes. And then they That'd use be... they they try to use the nut to compress. Yeah, to press it down a lot and it'll just swivel. And it will just swivel. Yeah. And even if you get it to finally hold with just the nuts pressure, um, what happens is over time vibration that comes undone. So what I'm just saying is don't don't do that. Um, and I, I'm not saying you would. You know, obviously uh, being a plumber, you're pretty savvy, but. Uh, I always like to, I'm just sharing the pitfalls I've seen. Um, yeah. So, uh, but here's something, Josco, you can think about uh, that is an option. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Hail Mary pass, man, but it's a pass. You can always, Fender anything has value. That's the best thing about Fender and Gibson, right? I mean, let's be honest. That's what Fender and Gibson have value. Fender tuners, throw them on Craigslist. What do you got to trade for these? Yeah. You never Pedals, know, man. Other parts you actually want. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like trading that. parts, you know, right? Trading parts is, uh, I've traded parts for years. Um, sometimes there's a ton of better places than Craigslist because Craigslist is usually not the best place. But the cool thing about Craigslist 
is uh, I've been trying to sell this idea to Craigslist for years. I don't know if he's laughing because he knows what I'm about to say. I think Craigslist should adopt the slogan Craigslist, where people with no money shop. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what Craigslist likes to do is like the trade. Yeah, it's all a trading system. Yeah, all trading. So throw your fender tuners on Craigslist and see, you know, throw them out there and say, hey, who's willing to, you know, trade me some some good tuners for this and for these tuners. And um, you never know. Some guy won't mind drilling holes in his, you know, his guitar to, to have fender tuners. So try that. Uh, Raven says, I'm late. Can you tell a real amp from a plug-in? Uh, you mm. know what's funny is? The answer, uh, I'll let you answer that too. Just uh, we'll say I'll, in person there's a little latency. That's the only way I can tell a difference. Yeah. Not on, on recordings. Normally I can't. If somebody's in front of me doing it, it's like, oh, well, then I, can te- I can detect the latency. So, na- But, you know, that's kind of a gimme at that point. That's yeah. not, I'm not detecting tone. I have this analogy. I'm going to use it right now, and then that way it's great because I'll be able to tag the the whole video with this, this <laughs> right? Because I like to always put yeah, one, yeah. pick one of the things to put the tag. Um, this is my philosophy when it comes to when people all talk about gear, whether cheap gear versus expensive gear, or you know plugins versus real amps, synthetic guitars. Like I have a Variax behind me. You know, people go, "Hey, does that sound like the real thing?" And I, this is my philosophy. This is my analogy. Gear is not for the audience it's for the musician okay so the reason i'm telling you that is this when you say uh, can you tell a real amp from a plug-in well let me start with what i think the audience can't do i don't think the audience can so when somebody says i don't know why you need expensive stuff or you know the expensive stuff is a waste because the audience can't tell i say absolutely right i think that's a great great way of looking at things um now Back to the plug-in versus like modeled amplifiers. That's what the plugins are and stuff. Plugins, all that stuff versus real amps. Here's what I can tell you uh, why I like the analogy. Um, but gear is not is for the musician. That's who what gear is for. Because gear is equipment and equipment and tools and gear are for the artists and the professionals. So here's the this, the analogy I like. A patron, a person who is eating at a restaurant, can't tell what frying pans or knives used to make make the food. Yeah. (laughs) But the chef can. So here's what I like. This is why the analogy works with what your question is for me. Your question is, can I tell the difference between a real amp and a plug-in? Yes and no. And here's why I say yes and no. If you gave me a really nice $1,000 knife and said, can you tell how nice this knife is? And I cut some carrots and I go, yes. Cutting the carrots, I can tell how nice it is. Look how well this does this thing. Yeah. Now, if I ate the carrots and you said, hey, eating the carrots, can you tell how nice this knife is? I can't. So back to the thing is, if somebody said, can you tell a real amp from a plug-in? I can when I'm there, when I'm experiencing it, like he said, the latency. When I plug into an amp versus a plug-in or an Axe I can feel it. I can feel it as much as hear it. A sense, a working sense of how tubes work. However, when it's recorded... I then can't tell anymore. Or if somebody was playing it to me, I couldn't decipher it with my ear because, like the carrots, the 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 the, the integral part of discovering what the real versus fake is is you have to be there in the moment of it. So uh, that's what's great about that. And what I love about that, the way I look at that analogy is, is that doesn't make it a is amps good and effects modelers bad or plugins good and amps bad. It's when you would why you would want to use something right um and at plugins i have a friend who does something that i thought was really interesting he records at home and one of the things i thought was really cool is he runs an ab box and he runs one signal into his uh 
his uh, interface for his computer yeah. where he uses plugins to record his albums. And then he uses another line to his amp. And when he records, he hears his amp. But his amp is not being recorded. In fact, what's being recorded is a plugin. Yeah, yeah. And then when he plays back, he listens to the plugin. And he, I thought that was a beautiful way to solve what he was experiencing like me was he wants the experience of the amp. But it's not that necessary now, unfortunately, for the recording because with the technology, the plugins, the the recording technology. In fact, I've I find constantly I don't disagree with this all. I see uh, YouTube videos all the time where they're comparing the the synthetic product to the real product, and the synthetic product sounds better. I agree, especially recorded. Sometimes it's easier to get a plug-in. Uh, absolutely, it is easier to get a Marshall Plexi plug-in to sound like a Plexi than it is to get a real Plexi to sound like a Plexi on In an front album. Of a microphone, and yeah, stuff. yeah. And, and and so you know, that's a perfect example of that. Is also acoustic sounds. It's easier to get a synthetic acoustic sometimes to sound acoustic than it is to get a real acoustic to sound acoustic. Yeah, like a piezo or something. Yeah. So that's my that's my thing on that. I like uh, your analogy. Yeah. It's a real case of carrot versus the pick yeah see <laughs> carrot versus the pick and then uh uh let's see hold on there was a comment i'm just seeing if you guys it's all about the carrots <laughs> that's the new know your gear shirt it's all <laughs> about he, the... he followed up sell that to craigslist <laughs> sell that to craigslist dave's funny that's it dave you're coming on the show you're gonna be the comic relief that's awesome the opener uh, he's the com- comedian yes opener. we'll start the show with some some good humor uh and then uh, I'm going to let this question go to uh, to Nathan because um, I already know my answer. It says, what is your favorite PRS guitar? Obviously, this uh, is a PRS theme day because you work at PRS. Yeah. Uh, my favorite model we've ever made, which I don't own, my favorite model is the Starla. Being that I'm such a Brian Setzer fan, it's like it's a cool mix between like the PRS aesthetics but like that rockabilly style, like Bigsby with the almost Filtertron-y looking looking pickups yeah the starla is my favorite model but i don't actually own one but we have a couple around the factory that we jam on and uh, yeah i always i always grab the starla first every single time i would i'm in shock i did <laughs> not predict that when you said yeah. that i was like i knew he liked the starla because w- when the starlas would come in the shop i always you always oh, you always gravitate towards love the star gravitate towards them um i had that set of starla pickups i got to put in something so i have like i have like three percent of the starla sound but yeah, I love the Starla. That's my favorite model of PRS. What's funny about that is, here's a great question. You guys can either put that in the comments down below because I'm curious or just you can kind of mull it in your head. What's funny about that is it brings up another thing that's I think it's interesting about guitar players that I've seen really common. I'm definitely guilty of this. If somebody asks me, like, what's my favorite type of guitar and my favorite amp, the ironic thing is the two things that I always think of immediately when that question comes up, I don't own. ES-35 and a Plexi. <laughs> like, I don't own either yeah. one of those things, but those, to me, when I hear them, and I, like you said, it's my favorite, I would say, what's your favorite? Uh, probably ES-35. What's your favorite amp? Eh, the Plexi. But I play the Princeton and a Strat. It's yeah. weird. It, and it's funny that you say the Starla, but yeah, that you like have... Yeah, it's my favorite, but I play my down-tuned metal custom 22 <laughs> through all my metal pedals, but I, but the Starla is my favorite model. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, my favorite PRS? Um... It's going to be the Mira. Yeah. Yeah. My second favorite is actually another one I don't own, but did own for a little while. The DC-3 was another one we made that I, that I absolutely loved. And then the Silver Sky is the other one I jam, actually, a lot at work. Yeah, all three, I guess, are my favorite. I don't actually own, but I own a bunch of core PRSs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Mira, the Mira, one of the things I like about it was, I think, 
the rumor I heard, the story I always heard, was that Joe Nags designed, designed it. Yeah, the if you next time you're at the factory, I'll see if we can get you into the archives. But the the prototype Mira is up there, right? And it's a really interesting guitar to look at and see how it's how it changed from the final model. And what's funny to me is when, uh, like Larry, our uh, our friend Larry, when when Larry was like, "Hey, you need to get a, a Nags," and I was like, "I need a Nags." Yeah. And then I looked at the prices and I'm like, God, oh, they're so expensive, but I really want one. The problem is every time I pick one up, they were great, but it's like my Mira. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, well, my Mira was like a grand. Yeah, there, the anyway. Starla is also a Joe Nags designed. Oh, see? I yeah. didn't know. Uh, Anthony says, Phil, uh, the, silica. the silica gel packs that come in the guitar cases, will it adversely affect the moisture in the wood? Is it okay to leave them or toss them? Toss them. Uh, I would oh, toss them, yeah. Anthony, unless you live in extreme wet climate. Um, the main reason uh, the silicon ja- ja- packs are in the cases, uh, especially cases, and inside the sound holes of acoustics, the same reason they're in your shoes, because that stuff is coming from China. Um, let me put it this way. I, I, I could be wrong. I have never purchased a Taylor guitar with a silicon jack and the you know packet inside yeah. of it. Silica, the silica ja- uh, packets usually are in the imported guitars, and same with the cases. And it's my understanding that they're in there to survive the trip the across shipping. the ocean. Yeah. yeah, and so the moisture is not a concern except for when it's on the ship, and that's what they're after. Yeah. Um, so so I would toss them. I can, there, there's definitely not a, a uh, benefit. Um, One of the jobs that we have to do at work if we run out of actual work is we have to go into the casing room and take all the cases out of bags and just throw away the silicon packets and then stack them back up. (laughs) It's one of those, like, end-of-the-work jobs, end-of-the-workday jobs. So now you know Nathan is officially the buffer and silicon pack remover from case. So there's your answer. There's your go, Anthony. If you bought a PRS guitar, you would not And it was still in there. Then you know I messed up or somebody else messed up. Yeah. And uh, Ryan sixty cycle hum super chatted this, which is funny because why don't you, you should text me, buddy? But I, I appreciate the the super chat. It says I've got my eye on an eighty six main Japan Jaguar loaded with AVRI uh, pickups and the nut that needs to be replacement. Talk to me in or out of buying it. Buy it, Ryan. You know how I know you haven't been watching too many live shows. <laughs> it is the official policy of Know Your Gear that if somebody super chats me, should I buy a guitar or not? The answer is always yes. If you have the money to spend on a super chat, then yes. Yeah, then you have yeah. the money to spend. I will on tell you what, Ryan. How about this? If you buy the guitar, I will friends and family you back five bucks through, <laughs> through, pay, through PayPal. <laughs> PayPal. Yeah. So there you go, Ryan. If you buy it, just let me know. Then I will give you five bucks towards the guitar. Uh, maybe I'll round it up to ten. <laughs> you know what? I will throw in the five on top. We'll do ten uh, towards your guitar. And uh, and if not, I'm keeping the five bucks. And then I'll put it towards my guitar. <laughs> okay, your next one. <laughs> yeah, so, what's the link to that? <laughs> yeah. What's the, <laughs> hashtag help. <laughs> Ryan, get the Ryan, yeah. yeah, get the '86 made Japan Jaguar. Jaguar. That is a cool guitar, man. Well, here's the cool thing. You 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 know what's cool is that's those are collectible and they're cool. And yeah, those made in Japan stuff is just yep. the old fenders are just going up in value. And then a uh, non super chat. What do we got? Uh, oh, it jumped. I wasn't. I must have had it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan says, I am going to die under a pile of guitars. Yes. uh, Yes. I understand. Um, But 
You know what, uh, Ryan? Here's what I can tell you. Um, there is the guitars you have and the guitars you want. And this isn't some weird thing. Like the, you know, it sounds like almost like you know, maybe we're having a, we call it some kind of therapeutic session for <laughs> shop for buyers anonymous, right? Yeah. But realistically, what what it is is just you know, if you have some guitars and you don't need a guitar, that then you don't need to buy one. But if there's a guitar you really want and there's guitars that you don't see a need for anymore, that's the whole point. The whole point of this, as you know, is that we. This stuff holds value, and if it's time for something to go, it's time for something to go. You know what I mean? It's funny to me because what's really interesting to me is um, is that when people ask me the guitars I like, you know, what are my favorite guitars? What are my favorite guitars? It's funny. I can actually go now into my YouTube videos, scroll down to the first ones, and I and people look at me and they're like, "Yeah, but Phil, you don't keep guitars." But if you look, those ones are. Still I here. almost have all the guitars I started with YouTube when I started on YouTube. All the guitars you see in those first videos, I still have all those guitars. Like those guitars were, they're just the guitars I really really liked. It's actually it's what seems like I'm flipping a lot of guitars isn't. I have like a core group of guitars that I've had, and then every once in a while I get a few more. And then one of those few, it, it, it lasts, it stays. It's the one that stays in the, in the and then the, the community of guitars gets it. So yeah, it's, you know, just cause you have guitars doesn't mean you, you know, sometimes we buy things for the weirdest reasons. But if you're impulse buying that, I wouldn't recommend doing it. <laughs> I understand that too. Uh, <laughs> you guys are really stuck on the carrots. BB Ninja's like really? better than under a pile of carrots. <laughs> you know what you don't know BB Ninja is that Ryan uh, since we're friends on Facebook, I I I should I don't say this publicly, but Brian uh, grows his food in his garden, and everything he grows looks amazing. Like he did, I, Brian. It's funny. Like the most impressive thing I've seen all in the last like seven days on Facebook was the pickles you you did. Yeah, <laughs> These pickles are like they were, I thought he grew a watermelon. It was a pickle. Jeez. <laughs> So, um, so, anyways, what I'm telling you, BB, is that I think Ryan can grow carrots. <laughs> so I don't think he will die. Yeah, yeah, he will die under a pile of carrots because he grows them. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Dane wants to know if, if I've ever, uh, if I've ever played the PRS Graveyard McCarty. No, those are cool. I, I was at the PRS event when they did that. You know what's funny about that? I think that's a. Uh, those fall into a weird category uh, of stuff. That I think you're you get that or you don't. When Gene at PRS, well, I was at the, the the graveyards came out at the PRS event, right? Yeah, okay. I wasn't. They came out there, but I wasn't even allowed to go up with you. Yeah, so when I went up there, they showed them to me. So you know, I got to be there uh, a day early. Yeah, the day yeah. early, and they showed us all the wood and all this stuff. And they had dealers coming in. The dealers were picking their wood and stuff. Um, and they were really excited to show me. And I very rarely do this, but I did this like. <laughs> I just smiled yeah. and nodded yep. because I I think it's cool, but to me, here's what I thought of when the great when they explained the graveyard guitars to me. It was like the first time I heard about the thing when Steve I cut himself and or they took syringes of blood yeah. and injected in the paint of the DNA Steve I guitar. I was like, yeah, I, I don't need his blood in my guitar. The, the kids, graveyard the guitars. Comic books. So, and if you guys don't know what yeah. he's what Damon's asking us is, or asking me is, the graveyard guitars are like there's this old graveyard, and these trees grew there. Yeah, and they found some wood from it and built built a bunch of guitars from it. And they turned out really awesome looking. They sound yeah. great, but it's like you have to be into that specific type of thing. Yeah, to it, want it. Yeah, so it was that's what it was. It was just not my thing. Although, like I said, um, I get why people like it. 
in fact, the DNA guitars, I'm not dumb either. DNA, DNA guitars are worth a fortune now. A lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the Graveyard guitars will probably go up in value too, and it's really cool. And if you're into it, definitely cool. Um, I would call that, for me, macabre. Yeah. For those of us that know what that means. And although I have friends that are into really macabre type things, that has never been my thing. You know what I mean? And not oh. only that, but you had spent the night at my house the night before. And my house is connected yeah, to a yeah. graveyard. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Actually, think about that. The, the <laughs> night before I saw the graveyard guitars, I stayed at Nathan's uh, house, which is in a graveyard. It's yeah. an old abandoned or not abandoned church, old church. Yeah, it's a church a... that got turned into apartments, and part of my backyard was a giant graveyard. Yeah, that... So, Phil had been texting everybody like the night before, like I'm staying in a graveyard. It's crazy. And then the very next day, graveyard guitars. And like, there's a lot of graveyard for one weekend. Yeah. <laughs> now, now there's carrot emojis. <laughs> uh, it's a. Uh, I know it's going to end up being some debate. <laughs> the carrots. <laughs> the carrot. It's the carrot debate. Uh, let's see. Um, Raymond wants. Ra- talk about our new model, the PRS yeah, carrot. The PRS carrot. <laughs> Uh, Raymond says, I want to record Mesa Boogie sounds without spending. Uh, I'm saying, I'm thinking spending money without spending money. I want to uh, get the, yeah, the Mesa. Equal, I'll say the equalizer too. That equalizer kind of makes everything sound like, you know which one I'm talking about? Sure. The equalizer pedal? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the Mesa Boogie pedal. Well, to me it's like, um, well I can tell you right now, you can get uh, plugins that yeah, yeah. Mesa Boogie plugins. So if you want to record Mesa Boogies without spending the money to do that, you can get plugins. Um, you can get modeled uh, 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 things from you know like the modeling processors like the Helix and all that stuff too. Um, the so V Twin. Yeah, the V Twin pedal. It's a pretty good sounding pedal. So tone carrots. <laughs> That's Lewis's new channel, right? <laughs> Brian says he's going to plant carrots in the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> now this show is macabre. See, yeah. it just went it went eerily weird. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm going to let Nathan answer this because it uh, says, Hey, Phil, have you ever been to Comic-Con? Oh. <laughs> Are you into sci-fi nut like me? Um, I've never been. Oh, no, I have been to Comic-Con. What am I talking about? I was going to say, yeah, I went to Comic-Con. I've never been to the good one. I, my understanding is the good one's in San Diego. I went yeah. to the one that's in Phoenix. Phoenix Comic Con's uh, great. Yeah, and I so you know I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, but I'm just ref- telling you what I heard. I heard like if I was impressed by this, wait, yeah. you know, try to get to the San Diego one. Um, so yeah, I've been to Comic Con. Um, am I into sci-fi? Well, what I can tell you is I've known my wife since I was 13, so I'm very familiar with her parents. Her dad is like every Star Trek episode ever, Dune. You name it, right? And my kids, they inherited that too. So they're into Doctor Who. Like, my kids are crazy into Doctor Who. My son is into uh, um, not only Japamation huge and pretty much everything, you know, superhero, um, but he's also into... um, those books. Uh, what are those books? He was just talking about the other night. Oh, like manga and manga. stuff. Yeah, yeah, manga books and stuff. Yeah. I mean, so my kids, seriously, both my kids, my daughter and my son, are super into comic books, Comic-Con stuff. And so my basically my answer is, whether I'm into it or not, I'm around <laughs> you, it all the time. It's everywhere. It. Yeah, <laughs> I spend the money on it, and I'm around all the time. So I am, but they're really way more into it than I am. Um, 
I do, sadly enough, suffer from, and anyone like Nathan know, has known me for many years, he'll he'll testify to this. I'm really just a one-track-minded thing. It's just guitars. Yeah. Like, I, I, I sometimes I envy people who, like, fish or go, right? There, were, there was the one week, though, where you asked everybody that came in, you asked if they had seen Batman versus Superman. Yes. When that movie came out, for yes. a week, that's all you asked was, yeah. you see Batman versus Superman yet? That's yeah. the most I've ever seen you about about okay. comic books. Yeah. You know what? You know what that was about. This is the weirdest side shoot of, of this. He's right. That week, I I I wanted to ask everyone what they thought of the Martha scene. Yeah. But I couldn't say I couldn't. You yeah. know, to me that was a movie. It's like it's like uh, I always talk about the Sixth Sense. Like Bruce Willis is a ghost, right? You're like yeah. spoilers. Hey, yeah, spoilers. But yeah, if you haven't seen that now, it's too late. Um. So, anyways, uh, um, yeah. But but I'm more. I'm just into guitars. Um. Let's see. Uh, what else? Do we got any more questions before we go? Comic-Con leads to Critical Role. It's a good podcast, Critical Role. See, now I got to check that out. Yeah, it's a gaming podcast. Yeah. And my son, so you know, my son's also into video games. Huge. Massive. Uh, I know nothing about video games. Um, I used to, every once a week, to be a good father, I would play video games with my son. And this is what happened. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. Every week we would play video games, and uh, he would just blow me up. Like that's what, right. Like I would be like walk around, and then I, my guy would go, Whoa! and I'd be like, "What is going on?" And he would laugh. I was just so horrible at it. It just never got any better. And my son's so into video games. The only thing I know about video games, which is nothing, is that I help my son uh, with his computer, which has like seventeen fans. <laughs> right. Gotta cool it down. Yeah, because it's got because it's a gaming computer. He's into gaming. So uh, for those of you guys who are into gaming, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's like this thing is made me laugh because it's got like seventeen fans and like uh, four hundred neon lights and you know and so that's it's almost the, as loud as that Hughes and Kettner. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's what we know. I know nothing about, but it's it's it's, it's just guitar stuff. Literally, I. I have a one-track mind when it comes. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> and then Ryan said he's playing ro- Roller Coaster Tycoon right now. <laughs> See? And I don't even know what that is. Isn't that funny? Like, it's like you- The Sims, except you build an amusement park. Oh. Like roller coasters and stuff. Yeah. So, okay. Let's try to... We're going to end on a guitar question, and then we'll go. What do you guys got? Anyone got a good guitar question? Anything can be about... No carrot questions. We're done with that. I don't care at all about any more carrot <laughs> yeah, questions. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, here's one. The Asian Redneck. <laughs> wow, what a name. Uh, says, hey, Phil, I have one of those limited edition Seafoam Green Magnificent 7 Telecasters, like mine, like yours, which is mine, yes. Uh huh. And the bridge pickup is microphonic. How can I fix that? Uh, so it is no longer microphonic. I'm pretty sure it's microphonic because they didn't dip it in paraffin wax. Um, you know, I, I I I really wanted that Telecaster, so I got it. Uh, like you, it's gorgeous. It plays great. I could not stand that pickup. It was ice picky. It was too bright, and like you, it was feeding back like crazy. So I replaced it. What pickup uh, was in it? Uh, you know, it's weird. It's it's not even like a, a you know I don't remember anymore. I just remember, here's what I do remember. I sold it on Reverb because it was worth good money because it's some kind of custom shop pickup, but it's really yeah. bright and vintagey. And I don't remember because it was, you know, a couple of years ago, like probably three years yeah. ago. But, um, 
But my guess is because it's so microphone, you're saying it's microphonic. I remember it being some kind of vintage pickup. So my guess is it was probably if it what they do to be accurate sometimes when they make vintage pickups, they don't paraffin wax dip them, yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, uh, so, you know, I, I like Tim Shaw pickups and a lot of them are not paraffin waxed either. And and my Tim Shaw pickups do feedback and it's one of the things that sucks. And the current ones and fenders are the current Tim Shaw ones. Are, I don't know if waxed. all of them are not waxed, gotcha. but I know some of them are. I just know yeah. that. Um, and I don't know why I don't go downstairs and just heat just up my wax it. pot and yeah, dip it. it. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, uh, so the answer to your question is you can do, you have a couple fixes. You can replace the pickup like I do. You can check to see if it's wax potted. If it is not wax potted, you can go ahead and wax pot it. That's pretty easy. Um, it's not that hard. You don't have to buy a wax pot. You can just literally get some paraffin wax and heat it up on the stove. You yeah. know what I mean? Just really like, yeah, microwave it dip the pickup in there it's yeah. pretty it will easy darken your tone just like a little bit so if you really like the sound of the pickup just be aware it might darken it a little bit yeah but i mean it's better than being microphonic i guess yeah and that will solve uh, the problem um you know where we live this is funny for those guys this is funny because it's true uh especially i always laugh because people would move here and they'd yeah. have no idea when we tell them this you where we live on my guitar one yeah time. i fixed it on his guitar once where because people come in the store like him and they would tell me this thing at, like my guitar is microphonic and so i'm just telling you this because uh, this does happen where we live it's so hot that if you leave a guitar sometimes in a car or something like that the wax melts off the pickup and pulls at the bottom of the cavity and then your pickups are microphonic and people come in and tell me and i'm like oh maybe all the wax melted off and people would look at me funny yes. we'd open up the cavity it's like <laughs> It just cracks yeah, off. Yeah, and cracks off, and there's just a pool of wax in there. So, um, because paraffin wax, um, I'm not sure where its melting point is, but it's not far off from like a hundred degrees. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like think of this. It's probably, it's probably just a, like five or ten degrees above body temperature. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, so there you go. That's the, so the answer is you either need to dip it because it wasn't, or it could have, and it could have melted. Like I said, if you had in that situation. Um, and um, yeah, you fixed that on my Hagstrom. It leaked out of the the bridge pickup, and it just was just this line that was like this big of wax melted out of my guitar. Yes, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. And on that note, I think we're gonna call it. That was a good episode. We had fun. I hope you guys had fun. Uh, a little different. I like that. Thank you for Nathan for coming on. I Thank thought, you for having me. I thought it'd be cool. Um, you guys have like 9,000 carrot comments, so I'm going to let you guys go with that. And then, oh, new idea for a t-shirt. Hold on. One last super chat. And this last one is from Riley Tech, who says, Stereo AC15 and Blues Junior wet, dry, wet, wet, or wet, dry. I mean, uh, if you're going to be running a stereo rig, you might as well do one wet and one yeah, dry. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I would do, uh, I, I, I would say, do wet, dry. Yeah, and I'd say AC15 wet and Blues Junior dry. That'd be my my. And I, uh, I'm thinking because I'm. I don't know. I really like the Blues Junior's reverb. <laughs> uh, so for fun, I'm on the fence. I'm gonna go the opposite. The opposite way. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Blues Junior wet, AC15 dry. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I would definitely do wet dry over wet, wet. I would just, you know, let, let the AC 15 kind of crunch up on you a little bit. Sound good. Um, all right. On that note, thank you guys so much. 
And before we go, I'm going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to read off the list of people who make this happen every week. Uh, and then also remind you guys that you can also now see the podcast because it's on iTunes and all that stuff. I know a lot of you guys listen to the podcast. Um, now there is on the front main page of the Know Your Gear website, the most recent podcasts are available. So you can see them just by going right there. You can also, if you have a shirt and you've taken a picture and sent it to us, you are now being displayed there. And so if you don't see yourself, please send me a message and send me the picture so I can make sure I have it. It's important to me. Uh, it's just something I like to share with the community. And if you guys are okay with that, please send me pictures. And then uh, before we go, I do want to say th- thank you to the patrons that support the live show, which is Jeff Howe, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Hannah Gunson, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, Passy Bikini, Alzar, Alzdar McCloud. McLeod. Yep. It looks like McLeod. Yep, me too. I think it looks like McLeod as well. Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Quackenbush, Brian Stewart, Bruce Collins, Chief Squatch, Chris from the Guitar Pit, or I should say at the Guitar Pit, Chris from New Mexico, Craig Parker, Dennis Prescott, Derek Miller, Aaron Kimmaker, Gary Phillips, Gene Graham, Greg Peterson, James Biles, John Russell, Jonathan Pickering, Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Larry McCul- or Larry Colkin, Lawrence Petros from Petros Pedals, Lonnie Hoke, who did a super chat. And I know a couple of you did super chats too. Thank you again. Michael Lindner, Michael Mooney, Muse Guitarist, which is now we know as Brian? No. I think it was Brian. Brian. Uh, Yeah, we have to go back and look. I'll look, Muse (laughs) Guitarist. Paul Astrike, Lewis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal FX. Congratulations on you guys. Uh, They got on the Josh Scott's uh, JHS Pedal Show. Oh, they did? Yeah. So congratulations to those guys. Check that out. I'll put a link right now to that so you can see Josh uh, from that. Uh, Sam Orem, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, Todd Flowers, Zesty Basil Pizza. And because I appreciate you guys so much that hang out to the last minute to me leave, uh, leave that list, I'm going to tell you guys something uh, that everybody else who just signed off isn't going to know. Uh, Josh Scott from JHS, JHS Pedals is going to do a show a, li- a show with me, but not live because we can't get our schedules to line up. So what's going to happen is we're going to take your questions and he's going to answer them. That's right? awesome. His it's going to be are great. Yeah, so it's just going to be like this show, but it won't be live. It'll be pre-recorded like you've seen me do before with Mary Spender, people where we can't line up our schedules. Yeah. The reason I'm telling you that is if you go to askknowyourgear at gmail.com, you can send a question, just put in the subject for Josh, and any questions you have for him, I'm going to pick the best questions or the questions that we see the most over and over again. And uh, the only thing I need in the, in the uh, email is if it's okay to say your name or not. Uh, I'm probably just going to say first names yeah. anyways, you know, so I can say, hey, Steve wants to ask a question. But anyways, those of you guys who want to ask Josh Scott a question, please send it to askknowyourgear at gmail.com with the subject title as Josh and yes or no to your name being said. And uh, I just thought I'd share that with you, especially yeah. you guys that hung out as yeah. soon as I started reading that list. I already know my question. Is so, 10 DOD envelope filters too many? Because that's how many I have. <laughs> I love DOD envelope filters. And he's doing that DOD video coming up soon. So that'll be awesome. Nice. <laughs> so um, on that note, I'm going to let you guys go. And until next week, know your gear. Thank you again, Nathan. Know your gear. <laughs>